Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Today's episode of the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast is powered by FinClub and their artificially intelligent stock picks. With nearly 90% accuracy for the first half of the year, you'd be crazy not to try FinClub stock picks while you can. I mean, before they get bought out by one of the big Wall Street banks, because their technology really is that good. So head on over to tryfinclub.com to get nearly $1,500 in bonuses just for starting your free two-week trial. So join the club, the Fin Club, to get nearly $1,500 in bonuses just for starting your free two-week trial at tryfinclub.com. That's tryfinclub.com. Hey there, 10 Minute Traders, and welcome back to the How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast. Today is a special day for me. I have on the phone somebody who I've looked up to for many years now and who honestly was one of the the people who indirectly got me started on this whole trading journey that's led to us having the podcast that we have here today, Tom Sosnoff. Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options Podcast brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com. We give you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance by Redwood Media Group, founder and head trader of 10MinuteStockTrader.com, Christopher Ewell. I'm excited to be here. It's awesome. Uh, the excitement is all on my end, really. I, I get to talk to a, a celebrity like yourself and uh, somebody who's out there every single day working on Tasty Trade. And what I want to do is uh, read Tom's bio here. So Tom Sosnoff is a CEO or co-CEO and host at tastytrade.com. He's a former trader and became one of Chicago's most well-known serial entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs in financial technology by building a breakthrough options trading platform, which he later sold for $750 million. Then after that, because he had nothing else to do, he launched Tasty Trade, the fastest growing online financial network, which produces eight hours of educational and other video programming for traders of all experience levels. Tom is a recognized online brokerage innovator and a sought after financial educator. He founded Thinkorswim in 1999 and Tasty Trade in 2011 and is co-CEO along with uh, Tasty Trade's own Christy Ross. Leveraging over 20 years of experience as a market maker for the Chicago, Chicago Board of Options Exchange and one of the original OEX traders in the S&P 100 index pit, Tom pursued a vision to educate retail investors in options trading and build a superior software platform and brokerage firm that specialized in options. Keeping this vision in mind, Tasty Trades affiliates Tasty Work, Tasty Works was launched in 2017. With Scott Sheridan as CEO of Tastyworks, Tom continues to drive innovation and know-how to the do-it-yourself investor as co-host of Tasty Trade Live. Now, that was quite an introduction for you, sir. That, that was heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember writing that, but sure, that was awesome. Thanks. Well, somebody at TastyTrade.com wanted to uh, to give you the full details there, and that, that's where I got that from. So, so where I found Tom was, you know, Probably the way a lot of people find Tasty Trade was I had heard about options trading and I started Googling things. And as they had hoped to do, 
you know, they've kind of cornered the market when you Google options trading. And because of that, you know, I started watching the Tasty Trade Network and really got to know on a daily basis, really, as Tom and Tony Batista and all their crew uh, put on a daily show. And it's absolutely incredible. And in fact, I've really become uh, pretty good friends with uh, Jim Schultz there, Dr. Jim. Um, and he was even my personal trainer for, for six months or so. So I'm trying to do my best to ingrain myself with the, uh, the highly intelligent people there over Tasty Trade. And I'm so excited to have Tom on today. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, so fire away. All right, so where I wanted to go today was Tom, as I mentioned in the bio here, uh, has many, many years of experience in financial services industry. So my first thought was, hey, to have somebody like this on who's been around, who's seen a couple things, you know, let's get an idea of what's changed, right? The way that platforms are today, like I use Tastyworks, and it's definitely the platform that I recommend you guys check out. It's so fast. It just works immediately and it like never goes down, right? I've heard horror stories of, uh, you know, there's big down days in the markets and people are locked out of their accounts. So Tom, what was it like when you first started trading? Cause I can only imagine it was a far cry from the days like, like today. Well, I have to, so, so, so this is a lot of decades for me. So you got, um, going back to when I first started trading, you know, I, I was a floor trader, a pit trader. So we didn't really have, the technology was really limited. Almost everything was done um, physical on cards and on pieces of paper and things like that. So it, there wasn't really a technology aspect. I don't, I don't even know if I had my first laptop computer until, you know, probably seven or 10 years into into my trading career. I don't even think there was a laptop. The first, the first handheld computer I had was a, um, I believe it was either a Fujitsu or a Toshiba tablet that I think cost around $12,000 and, <laughs> and probably was about one-tenth as, as fast as my iPhone is today. So uh, it wasn't really very valuable with respect to figuring out positions or, or anything like that. So we did almost everything by hand. Fast forward, fast forward um, you know, to, to 1999, we started to build Thinkorswim. We, we started to, you know, we, we focused on the differentiator be, being technology and being designed. And so what we wanted to do was build a platform that kind of, um, that spoke to our vision of what individual investors should look at when they looked at a piece of aggressive front-end technology. And, you know, Thinkorswim was beautiful in that regard. It was, it was groundbreaking. It did stuff that no other platform had ever done before. We threw a lot of stuff against the wall. Um, it was an amazing platform. It wasn't, at first, it wasn't that stable. At first, it wasn't that fast. But we built the first Java platform really ever on the retail side. And we also tried to do a lot of stuff that nobody ever tried to do before. You know, that was that was literally 20 years ago. When we built Tasty Tri uh, Tastyworks in, and launched it in 2017, we built another Java platform. But this time, we built it on high-frequency middleware. So, so we were, you know, 80 times faster than we were when we first built Thinkorswim, and now we're, you know, 40 times faster than the rest of the industry. It, the, the concept of being on high-frequency, stable technology was our goal in 2017. In 2000, and, I'm sorry, 1999 or 2000, you know, we were just hoping it worked. Um, so, so that's that's the primary difference in the technology is we we've actually rolled back some of the features because we felt the platforms that we built earlier in the in 
a decade or a decade ago, they were a little too bloated. So we tried to make it easier so customers can can um, make more trades, make it simpler. Don't worry about gimmicky order types or don't worry about you know analytics that you don't need. And don't worry about things like, you know, news and technicals and things that we don't really um, we don't really subscribe to uh, as much as other people do. And let's focus on things that are that are I think are really important, like the math. Let's focus on things like the speed. And just like you said, let's focus on the stability of the platform. I mean, in in almost three years, we haven't we haven't had a minute of downtime. That's pretty remarkable. I I still have a thinkorswim account, and I'll be very honest with you. It it's so much stuff in there, right? It takes a uh, you know quite a lot of time and a, a long learning curve to get up to the point where you're a, a pretty decent user on it. But yeah. in Tastyworks, one of the things that I noticed, and and you definitely touched on it, was you've eliminated a lot of the extra stuff. <laughs> it's like you're giving me what matters, and then we're going to eliminate everything else. And and I think that was a pretty brilliant decision there. It was a very conscious decision. This was not something we took very lightly. We obviously have the skill set because, you know, we built we built this a lot of this stuff 20 years ago. So, so we're very confident that we could pretty much, you know, replicate anything or build all this cool new stuff. But our goal was, you know, we were much more interested in user mechanics this time, and we were much more um, interested in simplifying. You know, 20 years ago, we didn't really we weren't 100% sure what the customer wanted to see, and we we made one mistake: we listened to people. And now, we, now we don't listen. We we kind of have our own vision of what it should be, and I think that's really important. I think a lot of entrepreneurs think that you know um, uh, think you need to do you know user groups and think you need to listen to a ton of feedback with respect to what people want. If I listen to what people want, I, I don't think we could push forward as much as we do. So so our focus is really on kind of what is our vision. You know, five years or ten years from now, I really don't care what we did five years ago or 10 years ago. So it's just a very different approach to how we build technology and and how we think customers should interact with the technology. You know, what's funny about trading is, is um, along, when we built our last platform, I really wanted to give access to, to the marketplace and give access to strategies, but I didn't know all the reasons why. Now, um, I recognize how important strategic investing is from a decision-making and from a risk perspective. Um, so so I look at it from different angles now, and I think that the technology we built this time makes a lot more sense. It's much more applicable, and people trade more using it. Yeah, yeah, I follow you there. In fact, um, when you were describing how you know, you're, you're, you're trying to you know, keep your blinders on and move the, the, the program forward here, it reminded me of a quote I heard, I think it was from Henry Ford. He said, if I had asked what my... Uh, target market wanted, they would have wanted a faster horse. And obviously a lot has changed because of that. And yeah. so I could definitely see, you know, that, that same mentality here on Tastyworks. Quote, Steve Jobs used that quote in his book and it was, you know, and, and it's, it's really pretty fair, but when you think about it, not that many entrepreneurs think that way. Yeah, I totally get it. Uh, it, it, it seems counterintuitive. But then again, a lot of what you do and a lot of what Tasty Trade does is a little counterintuitive. So let me ask you this. What what was it even like going way back when, when you were in the pits, right? In the the options trading pits and the the futures trading pits. How on earth did that even work? <laughs> I saw a documentary on that and um, 
I think I think it was even on Tasty Trade. Uh, you guys have several documentaries out there, and yeah. one of them was talking about you know trading in the pits and how things have changed. I, I literally cannot grasp how that was even possible. Well, I'll tell you, it's funny because I I went to um, when I went to college, I, I was a political science major, and and I did all my internships through college in in politics and in, in different in different branches of government and in even different places around the world. And I I was absolutely convinced that in some form, you know, I was going to end up after school working for a lobbyist or working for uh, you know some branch of government in and in some capacity. And I was really fascinated by you know international law and government and all that kind of stuff. But I I graduated college in the late 70s, 1979, and there were no jobs. And there was, um, we, were the, we were kind of just, you know, interest rates were almost 20% and inflation was rampant. It was just, it was a weird time. So wherever you got an interview, you took your job. And I got mm-hmm. an interview on Wall Street and they offered me a job and I took it. And I didn't know anything. Um, I had a minor in finance, in business. And, and so I, I had a little tiny bit of fundamental knowledge. But I, the stock market was weird to me. Um, and... Somehow, after a couple, you know, after less than six months or nine months, I made my way to Chicago. I walked on the trading floor of the SIBO um, to visit somebody, and and the second I got down there, just the noise, the action, I was like, I got to be here. And so that's kind of how a lot of us started our career. You know, just it was all the activity, and we knew the chances of success were really pretty small, but you had to take your shot. When you're in your early 20s, you know, you want to just close your eyes and take your shot. So the system worked. It's just that it was very hard. So most people failed, just like any other business, you know, the, where it's very competitive. It was just a, it was just a competitive spot. But a couple of us, you know, survived a few decades. I did two decades, so that's pretty good. You know, the business itself, once you got into it and you figured it out, it wasn't rocket science, but it was just, you know, it was it was brutally competitive. That's all. Okay. So so how was it competitive? Was it competitive like amongst people outside of where you were no, or was it was it- competitive it was competitive in a couple different ways um the pits were since it was open outcry the pits were competitive physically because the index pits like where i traded it was just a lot of very large human beings that <laughs> that were all alpha males and that were all um tough you know it was just a lot of tough big humans um it was that was one thing so there was a physical there, there was a lot of physicality to it the other thing that was competitive is it was a lot of speed. So it was people that were really quick with math, you know, almost like could configure out. And remember, we're talking fractions, not decimals. So it was people that could figure out math backwards and forwards quicker than the next person. And a lot of it was, you know, ability to take risk, you know, process risk instantaneously. Your mind had to work a little bit like a computer math wise. So I think it's all of the above. And then not falling into any of the vices of, you know, being a young kid, making a lot of money and, you know, not doing stupid shit like (laughs) drugs or alcohol or, you know, just anything else. You know, at the time we were making more money than athletes made a lot more. And so it was just a time where you can easily see, you know, a lot of stupid kids getting in trouble and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people, made a lot of mistakes just from just from the lifestyle. It was just tough. Hmm. Well, interesting. That's uh, that seems so, so, so far fetched, uh, you know, the, how it was. But it was it was crazy. You know, it was a weird it was a weird time. 
Yeah, but I mean, just thinking like like for me, right? I, I'm over here clicking buttons on my computer. <laughs> but in the old days, this involved big humans, pure description, you know, yelling across the aisle and you know the all kinds of uh, chaos in order to just execute an order. That seems so foreign. Chaos with honor. So it's chaos with honor, which means that you had to honor your trades. Otherwise, you the place would have fallen apart. So everybody honored their trades. But at the same time, that you know, you have to remember, chaos with honor is fine. But without chaos, there's no money being made. So so there, you walked a very thin line between wanting as much chaos as possible, but also making sure that you know the that the honor system worked. So it was really it was really a fascinating kind of um, human experiment. But when we realized that that we were about to be replaced by computers in the late 90s, you know, that's when we decided we I wanted to be proactive and and make the move to, you know, build something else, you know, before every before it caught up with everybody else. So maybe we got lucky with timing. Who knows? But that's when we started to build Thinkorswim was, you know, in the late 90s when I realized that hey, this might not be around forever in its current form. Actually, yeah, that was a great segue because where I wanted to go next was like, when did you decide to to move on? Like, 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 what what date range did things start changing from open outcry to all electric? It was late '90s, early 2000s, but 1999. Um, I I was partners with Scott Sheridan. Scott, we decided I'm going to go build Think or Swim, and he's going to stay in the pits and try to, you know helped to support us at the time. And um, because we were going to use all our own money, all the money we had made in the last 20 years, basically to, to build Thinkorswim with. And so that became the mission. And, um, you know, the two of us went off and did it and, you know, we then raised some capital and we, and, it, and, and our ideas came to fruition because we, 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 we committed a lot of capital to building, um, to building really cool technology and, and we realized at some point that, hey, we might have something here. So, um, you know, listen, in life, one of the things we learned from being on the floor, I think this is the most important thing. One of the things we learned from being on the floor was um, taking risk is not a bad thing. Taking risk is a good thing. So every time we had a chance to take risk, we took it. And to this day, you know, I'm 62 now. And every single chance I have to take risk, I don't care how much risk it is. And if I like the odds, I'll take it. Okay, so that uh, that also is pretty contrarian to what a lot of people would say. That risk is, you know, try to avoid as much risk as possible, right? Dip dip your toe in before jumping in and fully. How, based on your your wisdom, your knowledge, your experiences there, how do you feel that risk can be mitigated in a way to where it's it's in your favor, uh, or at least, um, you know, just without without being excessive risk. Well, sure. I mean, that that's a skill in itself. Um, you know, you have to be able to, whether it's a trade or whether it's a business decision or whatever else it is, I mean, you have to like either your pot odds, meaning it's a 50-50 bet, you just like your pot odds, or it's some, it's some ratio of pot odds, or you have to just be able to, you know, recognize, you know, an opportunity. There's no such thing as a sure thing, so, you know, nobody knows. But we were just very good at... Um, it turns out we were good at it. I guess we didn't even know. But um, I think you get rewarded for taking risk way more than people realize. And most people are in in certain ways 
a little bit scared of success because or scared of taking risks because ultimately of potentially of the success. So and success success scares them um, maybe even more than failure, which is the weirdest thing. But it, it, it's just it's human nature. Um, we just didn't have that fear. I mean, we were going for it at every chance and we still do today. I mean, you know, there's not too many people in the Midwest that have built, you know, multiple, you know, um, five and 10 digit, um, I'm sorry, nine and 10 digit companies, you know, over a 20 year period. And we're, we're one of the few. So, so we have, um, um, you know, it's worked for us. Taking risk has worked for us. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. It makes total sense to me. So, so on that, right, you're, you're taking risk, you're, you're evaluating your odds out there, and then you're, you're moving from one opportunity to the next. Kind of like when you moved from, you know, being a thinkorswim into Tasty Trade. Yeah. Now, to me, right, Tasty Trade's been monumental to so many people out there, without a doubt. But obviously, it seems like such a risk to go out there and, and every day you're creating so much content and you've got all these people and you've got a huge team. What sure. was it like going from where you were to basically Tasty Trade as, as its own startup? Well, like one of the things, you know, um, after, after we were a public company at Thinkorswim, so we were bought out, which is fine. And the easiest thing would, to do would have been to say, okay, well, I'm done. And the problem with that is that, that I, I really wasn't, I didn't feel like I was done. I feel like, you know, that, that I, I don't ever want to be done. I just want to keep, I want to keep working. I want to keep building stuff. So, um, the decision to move, to do something was pretty easy for, for, for me and for a lot of, I, I didn't know we were going to be successful. You know, the question becomes, you know, how much, how much do you want to risk of what you have? And, and I kind of felt like, you know, I'm ready to go all in again. I didn't care. You know, I mean, what, what else? Life's short, man. You wake up one morning and you're, you know, you're 30 years old. You wake up one morning, you're 50. And then you wake up again and you're 60. You know, it's, it's like, oh, my God, where did the time go? I didn't, I felt like, you know, we have a lot, we have a lot left to prove with respect to our legacy. Tasty Trade has been the most incredible thing we've ever done. And that combined with Tasty Works and, you know, but that's the way life should be, isn't it? Every time you keep going forward, the next, your next step should be more incredible than your last step. And that's kind of how we approach things. Wow. That, that, that's powerful, honestly. So, so starting out Tasty Trade, what was your, what was your goal here, right? You guys are, are creating your own, basically your own, own internet TV show, right? Yeah, sure, sure. So goal, where, where were you going with that? The goal was to, we felt like we had spent 10 years redefining technology for the retail broker. And um, we felt like we had redefined essentially how customers would access the marketplace and trade different products. But there was a piece missing, and the piece missing was content. And so we built Tasty Trade to deliver that content piece. We weren't sure exactly what we were building at first, and we had we went through lots of different kind of iterations and lots of different kind of um, you know uh, forks in the road when we were first starting. But it became apparent to us, and it became very clear to us relatively quickly, you know what Tasty Trade should become. And it needed to be the content machine that never existed before. It needed to be content without news. It needed to be content without traditional analytics. It needed to be content that was geared just towards retail investors. It needed to be content without mixed messages. It needed to be mechanical, practical, applicable. And 
and something that we also love to do. And that's what we built Tasty Trade into. Something that every single day I love coming to work. And then Tasty Works is just an extension, a technology driven extension to what we love to do every single day. Yeah, that's that's really neat. So so the goal here was to create content. And what was it what was it like back in the the early days, right? If you go back in the archives, and I, I've been there a couple of times snooping around, see what I could find. Uh, you know, it's just you, Tony Batista, maybe like a uh, a soda stream on the desk that starts yeah. pouring everywhere. <laughs> sure. I mean, what had, was it like getting started? We had a like we had a ton of fun. We we had no idea what we were what we were getting into, and we were just decided, hey, we're gonna have like like it was a shit show, but we also knew we we knew our own shit. Like, do you know what I mean? Like we knew the space better than anybody, but the but the but kind of the, the model was a little up for grabs at first. And then very quickly we realized how valuable Tasty Trade was in that it was driving people into the into the just like somebody like you. It was driving you into being interested in options. It was it was the single greatest engagement tool that anybody had ever created with respect to getting people interested in in options, futures and trading. Nobody had ever built anything like it. And like we, we didn't necessarily stumble into it because it was kind of our vision all along, but we weren't sure exactly what we we're doing. And at some point we're like, hey, this is working. People like it. Um, we like it. People like it. And people are trading. They're making money. They're doing things. They're, they're engaged. They're passionate about it. Um, they're building careers around this just like you did. And it's it's awesome. Uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> So, so where did you guys decide to take it, right? Because eventually it, it morphed from just a couple guys talking about how to do this or that to where now you've got this huge content team, right? You've got six or eight or ten shows a day, and then you don't you don't have any commercials for anything, so you're always filling up every minute of every hour of those eight hours with some sort of educational, right? Uh, financial based programming. How did you get to that point? Like that seems like such a, a huge concept to, to go from uh, where it was to where it is now. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't think about that stuff when you build businesses, you just put your head down and you just keep going until, you know, until something else happens. Like it, we don't ever, um, I never think about, you have a point a, which is where you start. You have a starting point. You have an origin, you have a genesis of what your your vision is, but you never have a finishing point. And what you try to do is you just try to keep building and you try to keep, you know, whatever, whatever you love to do, you just keep, you keep investing in it and you keep growing it. Like right now, we're about to launch our own futures exchange. If you had told me 10 years ago, we're going to build our own futures exchange, I would have been like, no freaking way. But, but we've always wanted to, and it's incredible. And we're about to launch our own futures exchange. We're about to launch another brokerage firm that's going to that's going to cater to millennials, that's going to compete with Robinhood and cater to millennials. And it's like, you know, hey, we're going to introduce a lot more people to, you know, to our methodology, to our processes, and that kind of stuff. So we feel like we're in a um, crazy, you know, we feel like we're still in our infancy, and 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 yet at the same time, I don't really know where we are in our growth cycle. I don't really care. Like, I mean, you know, I just love what we do. And as long as we can continue to make money and, and continue to turn people on by, you know, 
um, and, and get people engaged into what we're doing, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll push ahead forever. You know, you mentioned something there, and I wrote it down, and I really hope the podcast audience out there is just listening to Tom and the, the wisdom that he's dropping here, right? One of the things he said here is, you never have a finishing point, right? And it's it's always growing, always evolving. In fact, I was just, I was editing a podcast yesterday, and I was showing a colleague of mine what I had done, and they're like, wow, that's a good improvement. And just like what you're saying here is it's like every step of the way, you don't know what what's coming next, but you're at least taking the steps going forward, sure. right? Every day is, is an improvement upon the last. So yeah, that, man, that's really incredible. Okay. So that leads into my next point, right? And you've kind of addressed a couple of things here, but what's, what's next for, for Tom? What's next for Tasty Trade? What's next for the whole uh, cherry universe, if you want to call it that? So we're obviously going to, one of the things that we do really well is we never lose our focus and we will not lose our focus. So, you know, we're a little bit, you know, we have a small world we live in and um, we're never going to be Facebook with 1.8 billion people. You know, we're lucky if we, you know, we grow organically, we grow gorilla like. And I think that, you know, our goal is to continue to grow and along the process of continuing to grow, it's, it's to make our network, you know, it's to, continually improve the research on our network so that it, so that it's um, so more and more people can use it. It's to improve the technology at our brokerage firm so that, and the products that we offer, you know, in a year, hopefully, you know, we'll have everything from political betting to, you know, to markets on sports and all this other stuff. The building, you know, we're going to launch our own exchange. Like I said, we're going to launch other firms along the way. We're going to commit money to, um, to more startups and to more, you know, great ideas. And and hopefully, you know, this little this little network of companies, of risk takers, of of outliers, you know, continues to to get more people in, involved and to help people build wealth. I mean, all we are is about empowering individual investors, whatever that means. I mean, ultimately, whatever that means, whatever that takes, that's where we're going. That makes total sense. So, Tom, this has been incredibly enlightening. Uh, I got to say, this has always been a, a dream of mine to just sit you down and, and have a conversation with you here. Uh, so I appreciate the chance to do that and to be able to share it with the podcast audience. Well, it's awesome. Thank you so much. So let me talk to the audience real quick. So if you guys don't already have a Tastyworks account, I went out and I created a, a website and it's called trytastyworks.com. And there I've dropped so many bonuses for you guys to go and, and scoop up all for free. And all you have to do is open a new Tastyworks account using the code 10minute, that's one zero M-I-N-U-T-E. And then you can take all those bonuses and go on your way. And like Tom said, you know, empowering people to take uh, control of their finances here. And so I'm helping you do that by giving you some additional bonuses to go along with it. So that's trytastyworks.com where you can get all those bonuses and get started today. So Tom, seriously, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. This has been an incredible, monumental joy for me to be able to, to have you on. And, and I really look forward to, uh, to catching up with you again in the future. Anytime. That was great. Thanks, everybody. Hey, thanks so much, Tom. And thank you guys for tuning in to today's How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks that we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 
Hey, did you realize that you could get the secret weapon that every investor needs right now to start changing your financial future for free? Yeah, that's right. Just head on over to triplestockprofits.com and download your free Triple Stock Profit System ebook today. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, who is content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. Tim and StockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit timandstocktrader.com slash legal. Thanks for stopping by.